All right, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, we'll start there at verse 11. Start there at verse 11. Now, I've been preaching through a series of sermons on being a soldier of Jesus Christ. And what we found out is, as a soldier of Jesus Christ, what we found out, the first sermon we, uh, we, we, we preached through it, is we found out that we are at war. <laughs> a lot of times, uh, Christians don't realize you are at war. And if you, you got, first, you've got to recognize you're at war. And then secondly, you've got to say, okay, I'm at war. I recognize now that I'm at war. Well, who, who's my enemy? Well, we found out who our three enemies are. Our three enemies are uh, the devil, the world, and the third one that nobody wants to acknowledge is the third enemy, which is your worst enemy, yourself. <laughs> the devil, the world, and yourself. The worst enemy is yourself. That's who you're at war with. Most of the time is yourself, daily. Because you know what? You can't get away from yourself. Sometimes you can get away from the world, and sometimes you can get away where the devil can't get a hold of you, but you can never get away from yourself. That's your worst. Your worst. And then we, we went through that, and we equipped ourselves for war with the whole armor of God, and we know that we saw that a soldier has a walk that he walks. He has a certain way he conducts himself, and we walk in the Spirit. And uh, last Sunday, I preached on a soldier's duty, and a soldier's duty is to live a crucified life. You can no longer live a civilian life. You can no longer live that civilian life and say, okay, I, I, know, I, I know I'm in the army now, but I want to go back and live a civilian life. No. Uh, once you go into the military, the first thing you find out, you don't own yourself, the government owns you. In the military, you find that out. And what you find out when you become a born-again Christian is now you, don't lo you no longer own yourself. The devil doesn't own you. God owns you. So you your body, everything belongs to him. And he puts you, and you're in a war right there. It starts up right there. So your duty is to do what the Lord wants you to do. Now, as I went through this, as I went through this series of sermons, one of the main themes that I've been trying to really focus on it is to show you that you've got the old man and you've got the new man. You've got the old man, which is the old flesh, and we're living with that. That's the flesh. That's the old man. You've got the new man. That's the spirit. That's Jesus Christ living in you. And you're trying to put off the old man and put on the new man. Amen. Amen. You're trying to say, I don't want to live like he does. I want to live and do what he wants me to do, which is the new man. And that's almost impossible to do. But with God, all things are possible. And what you've got to do is you've got to bow down and you've got to admit, I can't do it, Lord. You're going to have to do it for me. And you've got to humble yourself down and allow the Lord Jesus Christ to work through you. And we found out that the fruits of the Spirit are not by the old man. The old flesh, the old Keegan, he does wickedness. He's evil. He's hatred. And, and all the wickedness that comes out of the old man, that's the old Keegan. And the only way I can do good works is allowing Jesus Christ to work through me. The Holy Spirit to work through me. I'm not doing it. Jesus Christ is doing it through me. So what happens then? I no longer get the glory. I no longer get the credit. Jesus Christ gets all the glory. Jesus Christ gets all the credit. And that's, that's one of the themes we're working on. Now look at verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things. What things? Well, Paul was preaching about trying to, the love of money and the will to get rich. In other words, he says, flee from trying to get rich. And flee from the love of money. But he says, flee from these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Guys, that's the, those things right there, that list right there, you cannot produce that in the flesh. 
This old man cannot produce those things. You, Kigan cannot do that. The old man cannot do that. The flesh does not produce meekness and righteousness and faith and love. and That's not you. But Jesus Christ in you can produce these things. See, that's what we're looking at. But look at verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Amen. So we're in a fight. Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on eternal life. What does that mean? That means, no, you've got eternal life. Lay hold of these truths. Everybody under the sound of my voice is going to pass away. You're going to die. Let me get a little bit more blunt about it. You're going to go in the grave, and the worms are going to eat this body. Amen. Everybody. I don't care if you've got cancer today, or you don't have cancer, or you're healthy. Some of us are going to go a little sooner. Some of us go a little later, but we're all going to die. But you've got to lay hold that you have eternal life. You've got to lay hold of that. You know what? I've got eternal life. And you've got to lay hold of this stuff and say, you know what? I, I forget this, but I, I don't need to forget it. I've got to lay hold on this. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Have you professed your profession of, before many witnesses? That goes back to these tracks right here. Have you talked to people about Jesus Christ? Have you professed your faith before Jesus, about Jesus Christ to people? Do people realize you're a Christian? So, you know what? I, I hate to say this, but at work, I don't know who's a Christian and who's not. Amen. Amen? I don't know. Well, how do you not know, Brother Keith? Because they don't ever talk about it. They don't ever profess it. But if you hear somebody saying, yeah, I was at church last week, or I was at church Wednesday, or uh, they talk about the Lord, or they talk about Jesus Christ, or they talk about reading their Bible, or I see them reading the Bible, then I say, I think they're professing that they're a Christian. But so many people don't profess it. And it's not just to one witness, to many witnesses. Okay, guys, we're seeing there in verse 12, we're supposed to fight the good fight of faith. We're in a war. We're soldiers of Jesus Christ. So let's turn to Romans chapter 6. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6. I just wanted to show you that verse. And now let's look at the soldier's duty a little deeper. I wanted to show you that verse there just before we turn to Romans chapter 6. Now that's where we're going to be. Uh, Lord willing, the rest of the morning probably is in Romans chapter 6. These verses are going to hurt. <laughs> they hurt me. I know that. Romans chapter 6. And we'll start there at verse 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. So look at verse 6. The soldier's duty is a duty of servitude. As a soldier of Jesus Christ, and as a soldier of the U.S. government, of the U.S. Army, your, your duty is a duty of servitude. You're supposed to do what the commander tells you to do. Now look at verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Listen, guys, I, I talked about this last Sunday. That Paul says, I am crucified, nevertheless I live. I live the life I live through Jesus Christ. You're supposed to live every day. Jesus Christ said, pick up your cross daily. You're supposed to live every day taking this old man and trying to crucify him. And saying, you know, I don't want him anymore. I don't want to have anything to do with him. I don't want to have anything to do with the old Kigan. I want the new Kigan, which is God in me, which is Jesus Christ living in me. I want the new man. And he says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. 
When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when Jesus Christ was crucified, you were crucified. When Jesus Christ went in the grave, you went into the grave. When Jesus Christ came out of the grave, you came out of the grave. Why is that? Because the Bible says my life is hid in Jesus Christ. When you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, there's a lot of things that takes place in God's plan for you. But one of the things that takes place is God takes your life, takes your soul, and hides it under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He takes your soul and hides it in the life of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm not righteous. I'm not good. Well, of course you're not. But in God's eyes, he's not looking at you anymore. He's hid you in the life of Jesus Christ. I've got this thing in here. I use this sometimes when I go into the prison ministry. But this piece of paper is your life. This is you. This is everything about you. And it's crumpled up. And what I've written on here, this, old, this piece of paper is all wrinkled up. This is, this is your soul right here. See, it's all wrinkled up. And it's got lies, pride, backbiting, fornication, strife, hate, envy, lust, murder, idolatry, drunkenness, adultery, unclean. All that's right here. This is you. This is our sin. This is something, this is something that is it's horrible. This is everybody on the sound of my voice. But what God does when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He takes this life and He hides it in here. It's still there, but it's hidden. You can't see it anymore. All you see is this book. He's hidden under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. We've got, we've got everything in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. He tells a great truth, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning is, now that our life is crucified with Jesus Christ, now that we're living a crucified life where we're taking the body and we're crucifying the body, and I, I want to point out that last Sunday when I was preaching on this, I, I showed you the verse there in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, that you don't mortify the body. In other words, you don't cut the body. You don't take a knife and cut this body because it's, it's doing sin. You mortify the deeds of the body. You're crucifying the deeds of the body. It's not a fit, this is not a physical thing you're doing. It's a spiritual thing of a crucifixion. For verse 7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. So the great truth is if you're dead in Jesus Christ and the old man is dead and we're supposed to put him off, then you're free from doing those things that the old man did. Now you can live a new life in Jesus Christ. So many Christians, though, they, they get saved and they don't realize that now I, I, don't, I don't have to worry about the old man. I need to just start worried about the new man and allow Jesus Christ to work through me. And they don't realize this process and they st they're living with the flesh and they're feeding the flesh. And they're, and they're not crucifying the old man. And man, he's strong, isn't he? The old man, he, he's strong. And, he, and the, old, the flesh is strong. And, it, and you see Christians, they're saved, but they get away and they get to doing all kinds of wicked things. And we studied that together. We saw that the Bible says that that's the flesh being manifest out. That's the flesh. It manifests out of man and it causes wickedness and evil and uncleanliness. And what we're trying to do as Christians, we're trying to crucify this flesh, deny this flesh, put off the old man, and we're trying to put on the new man so Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, can manifest out of us. I don't want people to see Keegan anymore. I want them to see... Jesus Christ in Keegan. And I've said, if you see anything good about me, if you see me doing anything for the Lord, it's not me doing it, it's Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, in me doing it. He gets all the glory. Amen. 
Now verse 8. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. See, we're with Christ, He's dead, we're going to live with Him. Verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. That's what separates our Savior from every other, all the other fakers in the world. Muhammad is dead, never came up. Buddha's dead, never came up. But Jesus Christ died, but came up. And we get into him, and so he's alive, so we're alive. Never to die again, verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. He died because of sin, so he could pay for sin. But he did it one time. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Guys, that's what Paul's trying to tell you. Listen, you're, the old Kigan, when you, before, you became, before you became a Christian, you had an old man. And when you accepted Jesus Christ, you're born again. You become a new creature in Jesus Christ. That old man is dead. He's crucified. Get rid of him. You're supposed to be living for God now. You're living towards God. You're not living towards death and sin and Satan and hell and, and, and for, for God forsaken everything else you've ever done. You're living for God. That's what, that's what you're doing there with verse 10. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. How do you do this, verse 11? Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's just what I was just preaching at you. You say, okay, I'm going to reckon that this old man, he doesn't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to commit these sins anymore. See, didn't get a lot of amens on those. You don't have to sin anymore. You don't have to. Because see... You're free from that. And that's what we're about to read. Paul's about to teach us. You're free from all that because, see, you're dead. Let me show you a great truth. The reason why you're sinning because this blood's in your body. That your dad gave you and his dad gave him. And it went all the way back to Adam. Adam sinned and he passed that sinful blood to his children. His children passed it to his children. And then your dad passed it to you. That's why Jesus Christ didn't have that blood in him. Because he didn't have Joseph as a father. He had a heavenly father that put him into Mary. Now, that sin is what's causing you to, that blood in you is what's causing you to sin. So you're going to fight this flesh until one thing happens. till you die. And this rotten, sorry, no good body that God doesn't want gets thrown in a grave and the worms eat it. That's when you can stop worrying about sinning. But until that day, you're going to have to fight sin. So what you've got to do is you've got to reckon that I'm dead already. This flesh, it's going to die. Why are you doing things to take care of this flesh? It's going to die. I love that old country song. I don't know who sings it. Me and Carolyn have talked about this. There's a country song. It says you can exercise all day long, but you're still going to die. You can eat right. You can eat vegetables. You can be a vegetarian. You can do all the right things, but you're still going to die. I don't know what that country song, but I like that country song because it's truthful. Uh, what was we talking about, Kathy, where people were talking about if you do this and do that, you won't. What was that we were getting out of the car and we were talking about yesterday? You remember that? I can't remember. We were talking about something, and they, it was about eating vegetables or something. And I said, yeah, but yeah, that's probably right. They're, they probably are healthy, but those are not happy people. 
you know, you got to eat your vegetables. You got to not eat this. You got to not eat chocolate. You can't eat this. You can't have ice cream. Yeah, those are very healthy people, but they're not happy people. And they're going to die just like I'm going to die. The difference is I'm going to die eating ice cream. And they're going to die eating vegetables. <laughs> Let them die. <laughs> you know, the, but the point is, why are you trying to take care of this flesh? It's going to die. God doesn't care about this body of yours. But, oh, we comb our hair. We, we do everything we can to make it look nice. And God's going to throw it in a, in a pit. It's going to rot. He's going to give you a new body. So you've got to reckon that this body is dead. It's going to die anyway, so you need to start living for eternal things. Stop living for the world. That's all going to pass away. That's the old man. That's the old flesh. You've got to start living for eternal things. You've got to lay hold of eternal life. You've got to know, you know, I've got an eternal life. This isn't some physical life that I'm just going to kill over. And Paul told us in Timothy, stop worrying about trying to get rich. The love of money is evil. Stop worrying about those things. You need to start working for righteousness and goodness. Those things that Jesus Christ produces out of you. You've got to fight the good fight because you've got to lay hold of eternal life. You've got to realize this life I'm living is not for me. This is just for just a moment in eternity. We're talking about eternal things. Eternal rewards. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust therefore thereof. All right. Somebody's reigning you. Somebody's reigning over you. A king. You either allowing sin, you either allowing sin to be your king, or you're allowing Jesus Christ to be your king. Somebody is reigning over you. I like to look at it like this. When I think of the word reign, I think of a horse's reins. And you're just a dumb mule. I almost said the wrong word. <laughs> you're just a dumb old jack. And somebody's riding you, and you got a bridle in your mouth, and you are, are, and, and you, somebody's riding you, and they got the reins, and you're either letting Satan and the sin reign your life and pull you this way and pull you that way, or you're allowing God to ride you and pull you the way you should go. One or the other. Amen. It's either it's black and white through the whole Bible. Amen. It's either heaven or hell. It's either Jesus Christ or the devil. It's all through the whole, it's, all, it's always black and white. It's good and evil. There's no gray areas. You're either letting sin reign your life or you're letting, a, letting God reign your life. Which is it? But you don't have to let sin reign your life, Christian. An unsaved man has no choice. An unsaved man, a lost man or woman going to hell, they are reined up and bound to Satan. That's where they're going. They have no sin has got them, and they have no, they're, they're bound up, and they have no choice. And we're about to find out you have a choice. That's the difference. Verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead. You were dead, now you're alive, have eternal life. And your members, that's your body, as instruments of righteousness unto God. So it's not just a question of who's reigning you, it's who are you yielding to. Are you yielding to sin? Are you yielding? See, yield is you come up and you're going your way and then you stop and you yield and you allow somebody by. So you, if, you, if you're going your way and you stop and yield, you say, oh, okay, i got to let sin have its way. 
Or are you living your life where you're walking and you stop and say, Oh, I'm going to stop and yield and allow God to have His way. Amen. See, you're yielding to one or the other. You're letting one or the other reign you. This morning, you're allowing one of the... I, praise the Lord, I believe this morning, you're allowing God to reign you. Amen. You're allowing God... You're, you're yielding to God and allow Him to do something, but you're yielding to one or the other. As a Christian, we have this option of yielding to God or to the devil or to sin. But a lost man or woman, they never have that option. It's always a yield to sin. It's always a sin is allowed to reign them. Praise the Lord, we have Jesus Christ. We don't have to allow that to happen. And that's what we're about to see. Look at verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. So you're being dominated. Look at verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. You're being dominated by one or the other. You're, either, you're letting one or the other reign over you, you're letting one or the other, you're yielded to one or the other, or you're being dominated, either you're being dominated by sin, Christian, or you're letting God dominate you. One or the other. And you're under grace. You're not under the law. See, before Jesus Christ, before you received Jesus Christ, it's all the law, it's all condemnation. He that believeth in the Son is not condemned. Praise the Lord. But he that believeth not is condemned already. You don't even have a choice. You're condemned. You're reigning. Some, sin's reigning over you. Sin is, is dominating you. You got to yield to that sin. You have no choice. You're just bound up. But as a Christian, we found grace in Jesus Christ. Now, we don't have to be dominated by that sin. We don't have to be yielding to the flesh. We don't have to let it reign over us. We can get over here with Jesus Christ. We just got to let him do it. We won't let him do it. We think it's a lot better to live in the world. We think it's a lot better to do what the world wants us to do. We think it's a lot better to let the old man rule our life. And we're about to find out in these verses why it isn't. Look at verse 15. What then? Question mark. Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. We know what grace means. Grace means that we can do what we do and God's going to forgive us unmeritedly. Praise the Lord for that. But this, because we know that God's going to forgive us of everything, does that mean that we should just go ahead and start living a sinful life and let this old flesh get away? No. God forbid. Because whoever you're the servant to, that's who, what's going to happen to you. Look at verse 16. He explains that. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves, there's that yielding yourselves, servants to obey. You're either obeying God or obeying your flesh. His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. If you allow this flesh just to take control and you yield to this flesh, and even though you're living under grace, you're just allowing your sin and your flesh to take over you, God will kill you. God will just take care of you. You're not going to go to hell, but he'll just take this old body and wipe you out. Do you not remember the parable where Jesus Christ is telling a parable that this, this man had this tree and it wasn't producing any fruit? And he told the gardener, just cut it down. And the gardener came along and says, no, hold, let, me, let me put some dung around it and dig around it and give it another year and let me see if I can fertilize it, see if I can get it to produce fruit. And if it doesn't produce fruit after that, then we'll cut it down. Guys, I hate to say that, that's a type of what the Holy Spirit is dealing with with a lot of us. 
Amen. There's so many Christians that aren't doing nothing for the Lord. And God says, just, just take them out. Why are they down there? Just cut them off. Just... And God said, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit comes in. No, no, no. Let me, let me work on them. Let me convict them. Let me work in their lives. Let me, let me give them the convicting power that I have you given me. Let me talk. Let me see if I can produce some fruit out of them. And they'll be fruitful. God created you for good works and fruitfulness. You're saved by grace, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. You're saved by grace, not of works, verse 9. But verse 10 tells us you're created unto good works. In other words, yeah, you're saved. You're not saved by works, but you're created to do good works. You're created to be a tree that's fruitful. And we're soldiers. And our duty as a soldier is not to live that civilian life anymore, guys. Our, our duty as a soldier is to live the, the soldier's life and to do whatever our commander tells us to do. He controls us. I was reading this, uh, this guy who was an a officer, and he said, It is commonly supposed that the first duty of a good soldier is to die for his country. Is to die for his country. He said, This is a mistake. The first duty of a soldier is to make sure his enemies die for their country. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You're, God didn't create you just to roll over and die. In Jesus Christ. He didn't create you to be a tree that just gets cut down and is useless. Jesus Christ created you to win some fights. He created you as a soldier. If, he, if you're a good soldier, fight the good fight, Paul said, fight the good fight. If you're a good soldier, then you should be winning some battles. Why are you rolling over? That's what we, we the very first sermon I preached is we recognize we're at war. And when you recognize you're at war, what do you do? You fight. You don't roll over and show your belly. belly. You say, hey, there's a war. Somebody's firing a gun at me. Give me a gun so I can fire back. Amen. I, I want to fight. I want to fight this flesh. And we fight our flesh for our country, for our family, for our church, for ourselves. We fight this old flesh so we can be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So we can stand and not be ashamed. We can stand before our family and not be ashamed. We can stand before our church and not be ashamed. We can stand before our Lord and Savior and not be ashamed. It's all about shame, and that's what we're about to read. Verse 17, but God be thanked that you, you were. Verse 17, but God be thanked that ye were, you were this, the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. See, you obeyed the gospel from the heart, not from the head. Anybody can have the head knowledge of Jesus Christ, but there has to be a time in your life that you obeyed from the heart and received from the heart the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. You can have head knowledge all day long, but if you never put your heart onto Jesus Christ, you're not saved. You might know about it, you might have heard about it, but there has to be a time where you take your heart and say, you know what, I know in my heart, and I believe in the heart that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. I believe in the heart he died for my sins, and I take him as my Lord and Savior. You do all this stuff from the heart. Look, but you have obeyed from the heart, not from the head, that form of doctrine that which was delivered to you. Look at verse 18. Being then made free from sin, yes, you became the servants of righteousness. That's what salvation in Jesus Christ does for you, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. He makes you free from sin. 
See, I told you, you can't be free from sin without Jesus Christ. You're bound up. But what Jesus Christ does, He comes in when you receive Him and He takes you and He gives you a new creature. He makes a new man out of you. He breaks you out of those chains. He breaks you and bounds you. You say, you know, I'm free from this. I'm free from any kind of sin. I, cannot, I don't have to do it. Praise the Lord. I can come over here and live a godly, holy life. And I'm not the one living it. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in me lives it. Because you can't live it. That's where Christians get it wrong. They try to live it. They get, they, they're prideful and they say, I can do it. I can stop doing this and I can stop doing that. And they keep doing it and they keep doing it. And you've got to bow down, guys. And you've got to put your knees on the ground. You say, Lord, I can't do it. Lord, you're going to have to do it for me. And he'll come in and you'll get up and you help the new man will start working in you. But you've got to allow him to work. It's fruit of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit. Those fruits in Galatians chapter 5 are fruits of the Spirit, not of the flesh. And we saw in Philippians chapter 1 when we studied that together that it's the fruits of righteousness by Jesus Christ. Not by the old man, not by Keegan Hall, not by the flesh. It's by the Spirit, through the Spirit, by Jesus Christ. It goes back to what I was telling you. It's all because Jesus Christ gets the glory. Not that old man. Being then made free from sin. I read an old story. Now this took place years and years ago where the governor came into a jailhouse and they had the prisoners all lined up. All the prisoners came in, hundreds of them. Lined all the, all the prisoners came in and sat down. And the governor got up and there was one prisoner there. And the governor knew about this prisoner. And he felt like this prisoner had served his time. And the governor got up and he said, I pardon this certain prisoner. And of course, all the, they're all cheering and everything. And that prisoner, he was so happy. He had been pardoned. He had been made free. So then the jailer came in and the warden came in. He said, all right, all y'all line up. Y'all get back ready to go back to, back to your jail cells. And all of them lined up. And that guy that had been just pardoned, he went up there and he got in line. They had to come over there and tap him on the shoulder and say, you don't go with them. You're free. That's a Christian. So many Christians, they receive Jesus Christ and boy, they're, they're set free and they get right back in line. They don't realize they're free. And they think they have to live in jail. Christian, you're free. The governor's already pardoned you. Come on, let's get out of jail. Let's get over here. Let's start living with Jesus Christ. Let's start allowing Jesus Christ to live in us and work through us. Let's, that joy and that peace that you're longing for in life, it's not going to come through anything the world's going to give you. Amen. We, a lot of us in here have lived in drugs. A lot of us in here have lived in, 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 in sex, in alcohol, in hatred, in envy, in jealousy, and it's a miserable life. But if you can get over here in Jesus Christ and let him live in you, oh, he's going to give you joy and peace and love and meekness and tenderness and all those fruits of the Spirit. And what a wonderful life. Jesus Christ said, I'll give you life and I'll give it to you more abundantly. But you've got to let him give it to you. He's done giving you salvation. He's done giving you the ticket into heaven. Now you're stuck over here. And you're still living in sin and you're allowing this flesh to work and the old man. And Paul says, you've got to take this old man, you've got to crucify him. He's dead. You're free from sin. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Now you serve 
Jesus Christ. You allow God to reign in your life and you are yielding and serving and being dominated by Him. That's just what those verses told you. Once you allow God to start reigning in your life, then you are yielding and you are serving and you are being dominated by Him. See, yielding and serving and dominating, you know what that speaks to? That speaks to humbleness. That speaks to you having to get down on your knees and admit, I'm sorry and I'm no good and I can't do it, Lord. And if you will humble yourself, Jesus Christ said, you will be exalted. Once you get down on your knees in the old man, you'll rise up and you'll rise up strong in the new man. And what I know about soldiers, when I see soldiers walking around in the community, they're dressed to the nines and they walk tall. They stand tall. I see these soldiers from oh, going out here to Camp Bowie and doing a service and they come up and I don't ever see a soldier walk in like this. When I see the soldiers come in, they have their uniform on and they're standing up straight. They're a soldier. They're proud of what they have in their military training. You should be proud in Jesus Christ, not in the flesh. You're humble in the flesh. You know you're sorry, no good. But in Jesus Christ, you know he can do it in you. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. See, that's not something you do. That's not something you see. Sports people, they quote that verse, Philippians 4.13. That's for you. That's not for sports That's not so you can throw a basketball better or throw a football better. That's for you to live your Christian life. You can't do it. You can't stop sinning. But in Christ, I can do all things in Christ which which strengtheneth me. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men. Praise the Lord for Paul. I'm so thankful for Paul that the Holy Spirit used him because look what he says here. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Paul knows what you're living in, guys. Paul knows that you've got infirmity of the flesh. He knows that your flesh is weak. For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity. He says, I know your infirmities. I know that you're weak. I know that you yield your, your, your members of your flesh. I know you've yielded it to sin, to sin, to sin. Look, at, look, just keep your finger there, but look at uh, Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Look at chapter 7, verse 18. For I know, Paul says, for I know that in me, in me, Paul says, in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. That goes back to the very first set of verses I preached on. You In the flesh, you're trying to find out how to do it because you know that what in my flesh, in me, there, there's a no good kicking. But I know that in Jesus Christ, there's a new kicking. And he can perform it. I can't perform it in the flesh, but Jesus Christ in me can perform it. I've only did this a hundred times. You can do it without Jesus Christ and fail and be a sinner, or you can let Jesus Christ work in you, and you will become a good Christian and good soldier for Jesus Christ. Verse 19, Romans chapter 6, verse 19, the middle of that verse, even, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness, unto holiness. Verse 20, 
For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. Verse 20 is an amazing verse. And we're getting close to closing, guys, but look at verse 20. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. You know what that verse says? Before you became a Christian, before you were born again, you were a servant of sin. And I've talked about that. You had no choice. You had to yield to sin. You had sin reigning your life. Sin was dominating you. You had no choice. So you know what people expected you to do? They expected you to be a sinner. They expected you to do sinful things. They expected you to act a wicked way. But you know what happens when you become a born again Christian? People expect you to live like this. Over here. He's a hypocrite. Did you hear how that Christian talked? Did you see what that Christian did? They never expect that out of a sinner. I know sinners at work. I know people that are unsaved, that are atheists, and they, they talk wickedly, nasty. And that nobody ever says anything to them. You know why? Because they expect them to talk like that. They were, they're servants to sin. That's how they expect them to talk. That's how they expect them to act. But if you let me say one of them words, just one of them. They can say 2,000 words a day, but you let Pastor Keegan say one of those words. Oh, did you hear what he said? He's such a hypocrite. I can't believe he said that. You know why they do that to me? Because they expect me to be in a new man. I'm not supposed to be a servant of sin. I'm a servant to God. And guys, they expect that out of you too. You're not a servant of sin, Christian. You're not expected to cuss and to act wickedly and to do those things that are wicked. You're not expected to do that. You're not a servant of that. When people see you now, they expect you to act a certain way, right? You're, you're a Christian. You go to church. You shouldn't be acting that way. Why do they expect that out of you? Because they know that you're no longer a servant to this sin they expect you to live a certain way and to act a certain way. And they have that right. Because they know you don't belong to the devil anymore. You belong to God. That should be a blessing to you. Don't take that hard. Don't say, oh man, they're, they're, I'm under a microscope and they expect too much. No, that's a blessing. That means they know you're saved. <laughs> they know you go to church. They know you're associated with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing to know that you're associated with Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 21, what fruit, and we're closing here, what fruit had ye, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Paul makes a, makes a good point. He asks you a question. Now, what fruit had you in those things? When you were doing those sinful things, when you were allowing the old man to live, before you were born again, and even if you are born again, and you're allowing the flesh to work in your life, and you're yielding to sin, and you're allowing sin to reign your life, and allowing sin to dominate you, what fruit came from living this kind of life? Are we not ashamed of some of the things we did in the flesh? Amen, Amen Brother Joker. I'm ashamed of things I've done in the flesh. I'm terrified somebody's going to find out some of the things I've done in the flesh. I'm ashamed of it. What fruit is that? What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. And when I look back on it, I know, hey, that way I was living, that led to death. There was nothing good that came out of any of that. There was no good fruit that came out of that. But when I stop and I meditate and I think of all the things the Lord Jesus Christ has done out of me, 
through the Holy Spirit. And I look at that, that, that all was good and led to life. Amen. Verse 22. But now, being made free from sin and become the servants to God, which we are, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end of everlasting life. Praise the Lord for that. You were living like the devil and going to hell. And now that you know Jesus Christ, you're living in everlasting life. You've got a duty to perform, Christian. And that duty is not to live the civilian, sinful, wicked life. Your duty is to live the life and allow Jesus Christ to live it through you, through the Holy Spirit. Verse 23 in closing, and this is in closing, for the wages of sin is death. But, praise the Lord, the gift, the gift, it's a free gift, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you're in here this morning and you don't know for sure if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, He's got a gift for you. He'll give you eternal life. You come down and you say, you know, I just want to be saved. I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm wicked. I know I've been living in this old man. I just want to, I want to come over. I just want to get saved. I want Jesus Christ to save you. You know what God will do? He'll give you this free gift. He'll come here. He'll give it to you. He'll make you a new creature. And then all of a sudden you've got to start living it. <laughs> Don't mean you're living it for salvation. But then that means that all of a sudden you'll be up here with me. And every day from that moment on, you were living every day in this here. But from that moment on, after you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're going to be living right here. And you're going to be saying, okay, I'm either going to yield to this or I'm going to yield to that. I'm either going to let sin reign or I'm going to let Jesus Christ reign. And you've got to make this, it's a daily thing. Jesus Christ said, pick up your cross daily and deny yourself and follow me. Amen. That's the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Guys, you can live it. I know it's hard, but you can do it. Through the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. I've seen Christians living it, and I've lived it, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see a Christian living in Jesus Christ. And it's a, it's a sad thing to see a Christian living in the devil, living in the flesh, allowing sin to run. It's, it's a sad thing. Oh, they're going to go to heaven. they got a place waiting for them up in heaven, but it's, it's a sad thing to see them. Fell, fell down on the battlefield, being beaten by the devil, the enemy's got the best of them. That's a sad thing. Now, if you're down here and you feel like you're living in the battlefield and the devil's got the best of you and sin's got the best of you, listen, you can pick yourself up through the help of the Lord Jesus Christ and you can pick yourself up and start fighting again. Because that's what a good fight's all about. A good fight's when somebody's fighting and one person gets knocked down and you see that guy go down and you say, man, that guy's done. And a good fight's when that guy gets back up. And gets ready to fight again. Amen? That's a good fight. And you start rooting for that guy. He's the underdog. And you can allow Jesus Christ to pick you back up, wipe you off, and say, come back over here. i got some things I can do with you. I don't care how deep you think you've gotten over there. Jesus Christ can still use you. He's using me. He's using me. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us, Lord, and putting up with us, Father. And thank you, Lord, that you live in us. And you work through us, Father. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we'll give you the honor and glory, Father, and we'll allow you to work. Father, as we yield to you and allow you to reign, Lord God, and as, Father, as we humbly admit we can't do it ourselves.
You're going to have to do it for us. And Father, if we have some kind of sin in our life, Lord God, Father, I just pray that you give us the strength through your Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, to overcome that sin. Lord, you know there's sins in our life, some forgiveness that we might need to do, Lord, that we can't do it. But Lord, we know that in you in us can do it. And Lord, we want you to do it for us. Lord, we humbly admit we're, we're sorry, we're wicked, we're sinful. There's nothing in us that's good, Lord God. The only thing good in us is you. And Father, we give you all the honor and glory. And Father, there's somebody... Underneath the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Fathers, will give this invitation that will come on down here and make the best decision they could ever make and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, just go with us to the rest of this uh, invitation. And Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit will move among us. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but... Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.